What's up everyone and welcome to episode 87 of the Justin Insight podcast, the show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to someone involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. I hope everyone's well. Uh, Thanks again for hitting the download button on this show as always. For those regular listeners, thanks for subscribing and thanks for everyone who checked out last week's episode uh, with Drew Thompson from Single Mothers. People seem to, to really like that one and really like that band. So, yeah, thanks again, everyone, for checking out the show as usual. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm recording this a bit early in the morning, so my voice is not fully fully awake yet. A um, few things uh, from the week gone by. Uh, I went to see Wicker Face Springs Eternal on Monday in Brighton, uh, which I really enjoyed. It was a lot more... Uh, it was a lot sort of better... Well, not better than I expected, but... I didn't really know what to kind of expect from a quote-unquote SoundCloud rapper show, I guess. Like, I'm a fan of it recorded, but I didn't really... I thought I'd kind of get a bit bored of it live, but I didn't. It was totally the opposite, and yeah, the new tracks sound really good, so I'm really looking forward to the new record which comes out on Run For Cover uh, early next year. So, yeah, that was my Monday. Um, and then also this week, we there was a sad occasion as we said goodbye to what I think is one of the most underrated bands in the UK um, and good friends of mine, Noia Mathers. Uh, it was great to see that the show was packed out for them. They really deserved it. Um, it's just unfortunate that it was their last show that it had to happen. But if you've never heard of Noia Mathers, please, please go check them out. Like They've just got such ho- hooky riffs, hooky songs. And they're just honestly like the nicest guys you could ever meet. So go give them a, a few listens on, on Spotify or whatever you listen to your music on. Um, all right, let's get into some news. Um, and I've got to focus on show and tour announcements this week. Because there's been a few that have kind of come out in the last five days. Uh, so this year we had the first ever Sweatfest uh, in London. Uh, another sort of hardcore two-day festival. Um Oh no! Apologise. It was three days uh, last year. This year, sorry. Uh, so, but they they've made the announcements for next year's headliners, which is Knuckle Dust and Six Foot Ditch, um, which is just going to be carnage. And I, it blows my mind that people still still ride for Six Foot Ditch a little bit. Like when I was younger, they were kind of a bit of a jokey band, but people still still go for them. So, yeah, that's uh, Sweatfest two thousand nineteen. Uh, also announced for a festival next year is the washed out uh festival of announced the first wave of bands with the likes of kd punch on uh, charlotte light and dark woe Owls, and the winter passing all being announced with loads more to to be be confirmed um if you're unaware of washed out it's uh, based in uh, brighton and it's sort of scattered across various venues in the city um it's a really really cool vibe um we've been lucky enough to play it for the last two years i don't think we're playing it this year haven't been asked but um it's not a massive deal if we're not i'm probably still going to go anyway the only thing is it does clash with roadburn so if i go to roadburn i'm going to roadburn but yeah we'll wait and see where i stand on that one um sticking with show announcements uh former podcast guests dream state uh have announced that they're going to be going on an extensive uk headline tour next year there's literally so many dates that i can't list them um because otherwise that will be the, the whole podcast basically um but go over to their social media and check out where they're playing if they're playing a city near you i know that they are playing southampton near me um and tickets are already starting to fly out the doors so if you are a dream state fan do not sit around on that uh and last and not least darkest hour 
unearth, misery signals, malevolence, left behind, all on one tour. That is just cause to fucking destroy you. Um, and as I said to my good friends who host the heaviest podcast, it may as well be a a tour that they've put together. Um, only downside is they're only doing one UK date. They're doing London on March 23rd and Malevolence aren't even doing that, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, if you are in one of the cities across Europe that they are going, then make sure you go check that out and have the best time. Right, shall we get to our guest? Uh, this week we are joined by vocalist, bassist, guitarist of Wolfgirl and the Whooper Uppers. Whooper Ups, sorry, I've got it wrong again. I, I want to say Uppers, I don't know why, but Whooper Ups, uh, Healy. Uh, we discussed how their gateway into music, how Wolfgirl kind of, uh, changed their sound from when they first formed as a band, um, how discovering the queer DIY scene has helped them and sort of kind of formed them as a band um and we also talk about uh healy's story of, of coming out as well so uh yeah please sit back enjoy the chat that i have with healy and i'll see you on the other side uh joining me this week on the justin insight podcast uh is healy from the band uh, wolf girl and whooper uppers have i said that right Whooper up! Sorry, I knew I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> um, but thank you very much for for joining me. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Busy, busy day at work, but nice to to come back and do something a bit more chilled out, a bit more, yeah, a bit nicer than than yeah. the day job. Um, yeah. So as as I mentioned before, I kind of hit the record button. Uh, the podcast is a kind of a musical journey through what my guests have kind of been got them into music, got them playing music. So what I always sort of like to, to start with is what was your first introduction to alternative music? Um, so I guess my first introduction, well, I was one of those like teenagers that loved pop punk. Right. Um, and still to this day, I love pop punk. I feel <laughs> no shame in loving all those <laughs> yeah. ridiculous pop punk bands from the, the late 90s. Yeah. Um, yes, that was definitely how I got into it. I was a massive, massive Green Day fan, um, and probably the reason I play bass. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Listening to Green Day, um, and also really embarrassingly, probably the reason I play guitar was um, the movie Freaky Friday. If you remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, with like Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember watching that, and like Jamie Lee Curtis actually does the guitar solo in that film. Um, and that's definitely like my root of wanting to play guitar. Right, okay. So I, I guess that's a kind of a good sort of jumping in point then, because obviously you play, as you've just mentioned, you play both bass and guitar, you also sing. So when you were kind of first exploring music yourself, what, were you drawn to, to any one instrument in particular uh, to, to begin with? Um, so I was I was drawn to bass originally. I consider myself more of a bassist than a right. guitarist, um, mainly because uh, there I was the only non-man in my school that played bass. Okay. Very few men that played bass in my school as well. Um, so I kind of saw it as my way of infiltrating all the bands. <laughs> I would be like the asset that everyone needed. So I was very like strategic about the instrument that everyone would want me for yeah yeah and 
go sort of backtracking a little bit then. So obviously listening to, to as you mentioned, sort of Green Day and things like that. So was it always that you, after listening to that, was it always a case of that you wanted to 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 learn an instrument straight off the bat, or did it take you a while to sort of put bring those two worlds together? Uh, well, I think I always I always had it in my head that I desperately wanted to play an instrument, but I had that kind of like massive fear of what if I try it and I'm really really bad at it. Yeah. Um, I guess with bass, I'd heard it was less strings than guitar. Okay. Um, so in my tiny like preteen mind, I was like, that means it will be a lot easier than learning <laughs> to play guitar, and then discovered it is the same amount of tricky trying to learn it. <laughs> yeah. And so, when did the try? The, the actual learning of guitar come into it then was it just a case of it was something else to pick up or was it something through necessity that you you picked up the guitar as well oh it was always it was always kind of a background thing with me i never kind of it was only since kind of being in wolf girl that i considered myself more of a guitarist right okay um so i was kind of i actually had lessons in bass whereas guitar i just kind of taught myself Right. Um, and there's still a lot of the guitar I'm just baffled by. <laughs> a lot of the time I'm just making up a lot of stuff. I don't really know the, the meaning behind it. And I'm, I'm, I apologise, I'm jumping around a little bit with, with my, okay. my timelines and stuff. But so, obviously, you mentioned kind of the, the pop punk sort of aspect of things. So when were you kind of discovering more of the music that people will be akin to hearing you play so so obviously more along the lines of what influences sort of wolf girl um so i guess i guess i would have been around 13 um so it was the time where like those kind of like pop punk albums were getting really big um but i guess i was also like discovering a lot of my dad's music collection okay um which i wouldn't necessarily listen to now but yes, <laughs> yeah. consciously it like influences you uh so it was a lot of like dad rock right like, okay awful stuff with like wailing guitar <laughs> anything in particular um so i still have a really like soft spot for dire straits nice um i think like then Lizzie Boys are back in town has the greatest dual guitar solo of all time. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. But um, the first band I was actually in was a like Led Zeppelin ACDC tribute band. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> I think that's kind of like, I can't listen to those two bands now because it gives me like horrific flashbacks <laughs> and like awful like, teenage anxiety. So I was going to say, so how old were you when you were doing that then? Uh, so I was doing that when I was around, I would have been like 14, 15. Okay. Um, and we used to play in like really bad battle of the bands um, and do like Stairway to Heaven and win because we could do Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and was everyone else kind of your age? Um, kind of, we we were slightly younger than most people. Um, when we were doing those kind of battle of bands, it was actually when I, around the age I first met Carl. Okay. Um, who was in a rival band? Um, <laughs> Chris, Chris was in that band as well. Uh, so we used to we used to battle it out at these in these like village halls. <laughs> so, where, whereabouts is this? Uh, so this is in West Sussex, the kind of wasteland between Brighton and London. Yeah. Uh, where there's nothing to do except play in village halls with your really awful teenage bands. Oh, okay. So, so did you all kind of grow up around the same area then? Um, yeah, basically, 
basically, basically around that era, we've all kind of known each other from like the teenage, teenage years. Uh, Chris Bell and I didn't meet until we were slightly older, but um, Carl and Chris kind of introduced us. Okay. And so, again, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but obviously there's other thing that I always like to kind of ask people, because I think it kind of paints a picture of, of what they kind of, what influenced them as a musician. So what was your kind of first exposure to, to sort of live music where, in that sense of word, like going as a spectator? Oh, so it definitely would have been small kind of like, these, like I said, those kind of like village hall shows and things and kind of house shows by yeah. like, like people playing in their like tiny parents' garages and things. Um, and just kind of like music competitions at school and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Where like no one's very good. <laughs> exposure to someone playing guitar on stage and so in terms of for for yourself you've mentioned obviously the the covers band what but what would you kind of consider your your first proper band what was that like uh so first proper band would actually be wolf girl oh wow okay it basically went from like awful teenage covers band um to going to uni and then meeting meeting the rest of Wolf Girl, and we've just kept it going since then. Oh, okay. So, so when when did the kind of idea first sort of come come to fruition? Uh, so we've been we've been a band for about five or six years now. Yeah. Um, and just like dramatically changed our sound throughout those years. Mm. Um, and it was mainly that Carl and I both went to uni in London and kind of reconnected because we realised we were both in the same city. Um just got reminiscing about the days we were in Battle of the Bands and decided to see <laughs> yeah. if we could form something that sounded better. And again, I am jumping around a little bit. So obviously you picked up a bass and as you say, weren't really sort of necessarily playing guitar until Wolf Girl sort of thing. But when did you sort of start experimenting with, with singing? Was Again, was that something that you, you'd kind of wanted to do for, from a young age or was it again something that kind of became a bit of a necessity when Wolf Girl kind of came to fruition uh, so singing was actually something I never thought I'd do it was mainly when we started Wolf Girl um, Carl assumed that I was going to be the singer and we got okay. to the first practice and it was kind of um, yeah so I kind of got pushed into it but now I'm kind of grateful that I did <laughs> yeah. I now love singing but at the time I was very kind of conscious of my voice and not really knowing how to hit notes correctly so it was a lot of kind of trial and error yeah and in, you mentioned obviously the the sound of the band has obviously changed dramatically so in those kind of embryonic stages what what was the kind of initial sort of thought of sound when when you guys got together oh god we had no idea what we were going to sound <laughs> like we, we have very few kind of like um bands that we all agree on okay um, there's quite a few kind of like 60s groups we're all quite into. Um, okay. So originally we were kind of sounding um, kind of a bit garage rocky, kind of doo y Yeah. Um, just from those kind of things that we really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I think the first one we ever did was like a cover of The Cure as well. So there was a bunch of like <laughs> stuff from that, that era that we all kind of agreed on as well. Um, but I think like we also did like a Jesse Ware cover originally as well, which like 
we would never bring out again. <laughs> yeah. So just like wildly different music genres. Yeah. And so in terms of when you were, were kind of, I don't want to say taking things more seriously, but maybe a sort of evolving is probably a be- better sort of turn of phrase. When did you kind of become what what people hear now, sort of that kind of more sort of indie sort of influence, sort of, but with a with a pop twist in it? When when did that sound start kind of becoming more prominent? I guess I guess we kind of discovered the London DIY scene, and when we kind of started seeing more bands within that scene, we started to pick stuff up from them. Mm. Um, so it was around the time of there was this amazing uh, venue in Dalston called Power Lunches. Yes, yeah, yeah I've, I've been there a few times. Yeah, it was it was around that time when Power Lunches was still going. We played what I consider our first show because all the shows before that point were just awful, like <laughs> back rooms of pubs for like weird lineups. Um, but no, we played we played a show for this old promoter called Girl Germs, and it was kind of our first way into kind of UK kind of like queer DIY and feminist DIY um, and we just kind of just tried to find as many bands within the scene from that point and yeah. befriended a bunch of them and just along the way our sound changed to kind of um, more kind of sonically be in line with that but I think we've still kept a few a few elements of our roots as well. Mm. And in terms of kind of uh, not the, the message of the band but a lot of sort of what you kind of outwardly put you mentioned obviously discovering kind of the the london diy scene that has that kind of queer feminist vibe sort of thing so was that a conscious thing that you wanted as a band to portray outwardly or has it been something that has kind of developed over over time that you have felt more comfortable coming speaking about because obviously now in 2018 it is a lot more of a vocal subject there's a lot more people talking about it but maybe four or five years ago that wasn't the case so was it some as I say was it something that was always there or is it something that you've kind of felt more comfortable talking about vocally as, as the years have gone by um I think it's definitely something that's always been there if you go back and listen to like some of our really early stuff if you just like listen to the lyrics it's all very it's all very like queer and very feminist yeah, yeah. um but I wouldn't say we were super vocal about it to begin with um a lot of my songs especially I wasn't out to my family at that point mm. so it's only kind of um it's only within the last kind of couple of years we've been a lot more outspoken about this kind of stuff but um we've always been that band it's it's all there in the music yeah uh, but you it, you had to listen quite closely to <laughs> yeah. pick up on all those themes whereas now whereas now you can't shut us up about it <laughs> <laughs> um and you mentioned about just there obviously about sort of coming out to your family are you happy to to talk about that a bit more oh yeah sure um this is this is still quite a recent thing it's still kind of like i'm still sussing it out in a lot of ways well Um, oh sorry to interrupt i was just gonna say (laughs) obviously like again bringing it to to sort of modern times there there are a lot more sort of people in the sort of punk diy sort of sphere that that are speaking more openly about their their gender or whether it be trans non-binary sort of uh gay lesbian whatever sort of thing so when you were kind of before you came out was it a case of 
not using music as a shield, but was music as a, a kind of a way to to sort of put what was going on in internally in an external way. Oh, definitely, definitely. There's a lot of there's a lot of kind of lyrics I've written down which I haven't worked out what they were actually about till years later. Mm. Um, if you look at a song, the song Samson, which uh, we actually re-recorded for this album. Uh, that was one of the first songs I wrote, and I look back at it now, and I'm like, oh, this is all about my gender identity. <laughs> um, but years ago, when I first wrote it, I was just like, oh, this is this is a good song I've written, but I had no idea what I was actually kind of saying to myself in this, like, stream of consciousness way. Um, so, yeah, I definitely use songwriting as a kind of form of, like, catharsis, kind of therapy, kind of processing things uh, before I actually, like, understand them myself sometimes. Mm. And in terms of the again i get with the time period people are a lot more kind of accepting of of what people are sort of saying in in their terms of their their gender um their gender roles in their sexuality and things like that so when you kind of did come out to your parents what were they what was the kind of reaction from from them was it something that they kind of knew but wasn't spoke about were they supportive how, how was that kind of role um, so they've been they've been really supportive, and I guess I just always had that kind of underlining fear of like, what if it goes all wrong? Yeah, which I think all queer people have um, jumping to like the worst conclusion. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, they were they were really great about it. My my mum said she was not surprised in any way. Like, <laughs> she she was basically just like, I wondered why I thought, thought about you every time I saw Sue Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, they they took it really well. They had like loads of like questions to ask as well, which I think is really good. I think like a lot of times um, it's just it's cis and straight people not having enough information, and that yeah. causes fear. So it's it was a really great reaction to see them kind of like really, really kind of like passionate, wanting to learn learn more. Mm. And obviously, in terms of kind of the the platform that you now have in both Wolf Girl and um, Whooperups. It's, it's something that you're able to talk about that you're able to obviously i guess tell your your story so do you th- and as i've mentioned there's bands that are a lot more open about it nowadays so do you feel that there is more information now because i think even my myself as a, a straight male that i've kind of in the just in the last sort of six months to a year have sort of learned so much more about sort of people's genders people's sexualities and even kind of like looking at my own sort of life in that aspect because I have more information so do you think because you have that platform to provide that information the more people are kind of coming to you and speaking about that and going off and sort of digging for more information I think so, I hope so. If you kind of look at like the political climate we're in currently, the awful, awful political climate we're in, um, I think it's we're in we're in a time where like we need we need allies to be doing doing a lot more work basically. It's been it's been on um, um, non binary trans and queer people um, for this whole time, so it's now it's now time for all the allies to step up, basically. Mm. Yeah. And one one more question just on on your sort of personal coming out obviously within the bands was it something that that again that you needed to kind of address or was it something that they were kind of fully aware of before you you actually came out how how was that kind of because obviously you within the band you're all very open with with 
the topics that you talk about. So was it quite a was it easier maybe to come out to the band than it was your parents sort of thing? Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, like we're the majority of us are queer within the band, so we're all kind of yeah. <laughs> um, feeling the same things, facing the same yeah. kind of issues. Um, so it's definitely it was definitely a lot easier in that respect, um, and probably probably a reason why we've kind of bonded together. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of kind of the the music aspect of it, as you mentioned, sort of if people were really kind of digging into like the the earlier material, they would have kind of noticed it was there. And something that I've always found really interesting is even just in the last couple of years is that there's been this a lot more sort of openness within music. But there's bands that have been talking about these subjects for for years that are maybe only just now kind of getting the spotlight and the limelight, but back years ago were maybe kind of getting a bit of pushback. So when you first started sort of writing lyrics and, and things like that, was there a kind of a sense of pushback with the subject that you were talking about? Or was it so masked that people, as you say, people really would have to dig and sort of find out what you were talking about was that was that an issue or not um I think it was always just a kind of a kind of space where I kind of felt like I could be as I could be as open or as close as I wanted to be yeah um within the songwriting um because majority of the time people don't really know what you're singing on stage because they're not listening to you <laughs> yeah. um and there's a strange kind of power in that that you can kind of spill your guts to a, a room full of people but um, you can reveal all your secrets, but at the end of the show, they still, they still don't know it completely. <laughs> yeah, and oh, sorry, excuse me. Obviously, with obviously the way that you're, you mentioned obviously the the sounds kind of changed, and obviously you've got the the new record out now. So, in terms of when you were coming round to to write um, every now and then, were were you kind of going into it? with a, a lot more of a open mentality of what you wanted to say because I know I kind of keep harping on about it but we're in a in an era where people are talking about these things a lot more openly so did you feel more comfortable this time round compared to we tried that that you could speak more openly and a lot more kind of matter of fact about things I think I think definitely I've I've changed a lot as a person since that first that first album came out. Mm. Um, and every now and then was basically written over the course of a year. Um, so it kind of I kind of just like it takes me a long time to write a song. I I won't kind of get um, the kind of inspiration for it for ages, and then suddenly I'll just vomit it out in one <laughs> night. Um, so it was kind of over over a year. All these songs kind of came out, so you can kind of see this like this progression I make over the year within the album. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, definitely I was a lot more uncomfortable in myself in the first album. And I think you can kind of tell on this new one, there's a new kind of confidence, a new kind of understanding of who I am, um, which is within the lyrics. Yeah. So. And before I go, we go into the, the record a bit more, so I want to briefly obviously talk about um, Whooper Up. So how did, how did that kind of trio come, come to be? Ah, uh, the whoop-ups happened um, when AC from the Spook School um, desperately wanted to start a riot girl band. Right. But not necessarily a riot girl band. Um, I think we were... So it was AC from the Spook School and Camille from Chala Phantasma, an incredible indie pop band. Um, 
and we were all kind of all of our other bands were on like a kind of mini hiatuses um and ac kind of got us all together to just see if we could make some like uh they described it as kind of like ugly pop music <laughs> okay um so that's basically what um the Rupert's ep is is us trying to make pop songs but if you put it through a really bad distortion pedal <laughs> fair enough and because are the three of you not are you in the same sort of vicinity or are you uh, all sp- we, spread not. out Camille and I are in London but AC lives in Glasgow That's, yeah because um, I thought because Spook School from from Scotland aren't they yeah so we're kind of we're kind of every once in a blue moon we'll all be in the same city and we'll play a show okay so is it kind of more of a a pet project compared to, to Wolf Girl I'd say so I think we all kind of want to invest some more time into it because um, we we all really loved the stuff we created um, for the EP, um, and who knows if we're all in the same city for more than like two nights, we might <laughs> yeah. turn out some more. Um, so obviously, we'll go on to talking about um, every now and then. Obviously, mentioned kind of about you being able to talk about things a bit more openly. But something I read was obviously there's a bit more. Well, I, I guess there's always been the collaboration, but collaboration within yourselves the way you've written so was that something that that you wanted to do this time around and kind of give every single member of the band their their moment to shine sort of thing um so that's always kind of the way we've approached music it's usually someone will come with the the majority of the song written and then we'll kind of each add our own kind of flair onto it Mm. um so a lot of songs I'd write them and I kind of hear them quite clearly in my head going one way but then when I bring them to the rehearsal room they go a completely different way um, because you've got three other people bringing all these amazing elements that you can dream of yourself Um, I think that's definitely how we've always worked as a band Mm. just kind of feeding off each other's energy seeing what we can what we can come up with in in a rehearsal room and in terms of kind of the the writing process of of the album itself like you mentioned kind of got sort of having ideas and then bringing them to rehearsal rooms and it being completely different so i guess do you guys not have a oh i guess nobody has a set format but a, a lot of bands that i've kind of come into to working with and stuff they have a certain way of writing so if i give like example the band i'm in like a lot of the music is written first and the lyrics will kind of go on top afterwards so so how have you guys kind of worked it is it kind of everything's brought into one boiling pot how how does it kind of come together see the way you've just described i find absolutely terrifying (laughs) um i i tend to find i have to come with kind of like all the lyrics already written and a kind of basic chord structure okay kind of change within the room um and then kind of other elements might be added so like a bridge might suddenly come in or there might be like a completely different place where um we'll place a guitar rift that wouldn't be what i'd originally thought um but never too much only i think it's only like the odd song we've ever done it where we've had the music first and then the lyrics have come later (laughs) okay and i I know the the album like officially came out sort of last week but obviously there was tracks and things that were put out sort of prior and things so what was kind of fan reaction from because as we've mentioned that this record is a lot more kind of 
open and fluid in, the, in what was being spoken about. So w was the, the reaction sort of really positive in, in those aspects that people were kind of like, oh, this is finally what we kind of <laughs> wanted from Wolfgirl? I think so. I think, I think people have been kind of surprised with the way we've gone. Um, I'd say, like, majority of our fans before... Um, these kind of recordings um, were mainly kind of the indie pop crowd. Mm. Um, I think definitely our sound has got heavier on these new recordings. Um, so I think quite a lot of the kind of indie pop people um, were quite surprised we'd taken that route um, and not kind of stuck to the very kind of indie poppy um, kind of twee yeah. um, road that we'd we'd followed before. Um, yeah, so I think there was a lot of reactions of, oh my god, they've got another distortion pedal. <laughs> and for for yourself, obviously, you mentioned obviously you doing bass, guitar, and sort of vocals, but obviously, bass kind of maybe your your primary weapon, I guess, is the best way <laughs> way to say it. So, in terms of kind of when you're sort of playing like whether it be recording or, or live how does that kind of factor into it because obviously i know it, is it um chris obviously plays guitar around bass as well doesn't he yeah, yeah so so is it a case of certain songs that you're doing one he's doing the other and switching over how, how does the kind of the dynamic of multi-instruments kind of work um, so that's another thing we kind of decide in the rehearsal room. Um, it could be sometimes that um, I'll make a bass line that will be too complex for me to do whilst I'm singing at the same time. Mm. Um, so then it will we'll swap around. Um, or it might just be um, a certain rhythm of a song I find easier to play on guitar. Um, so then we'll swap it due to that reason as well. Uh, but I always find I always find I want to do more complex bass lines, but singing just gets in the way because it's like <laughs> yeah. multitasking. And a, a similar thing with with vocals, because obviously I know you're kind of the the predominant vocal sound that people hear within Wolfgirl. But obviously Christabel does some, Carl does some as well. So is it a case of when you're writing that is just whatever fits best for whoever's voice, or do you kind of divvy certain things out um it's kind of whoever wrote the song really oh okay yeah um so on the new album um chris bell's written her first song uh dream partner uh that she kind of just she brought to the rehearsal room um and we were all just like blown away because we we hadn't heard um any of any songs from chris bell yet and we were just like this is an amazing like 60s pop hit um so yeah, that was definitely kind of taking us back to our kind of original like influences and things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then Carl came with um, with Bad Weather, and we were like, this sounds like a perfect closer for this album. So it really, it yeah, it usually just depends on who's who's come with the song. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And in terms of kind of what you guys want to to do next, like obviously I know the album is very freshly out, but have you got sort of plans to to tour it out like or have you already because i know a lot of bands they can maybe even though an album is very fresh in the public eye they've kind of been working on it for for a while so have you already been working on on fresh material what, what's the kind of next step at the moment uh so i think i think we're kind of hoping to make some new stuff but we've we've definitely been doing more gigs than kind of writing 
currently. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, at some point in the future, there'll be some more stuff. But at the moment, um, we just want to like tour this one for as much as we can. Um, so we're going, we're going out on the road um, throughout November with our pals Chompit. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be the first first couple of dates showing people this album, uh, which should be really really fun. Cool. Um, and as I what I've oh sorry I'm going to start that bit again. I'll edit this oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how I like to to kind of end things is is to ask my guests what their kind of favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So, what is your favourite Wolf Girl song that you like to play live and why? playing Toast for Dinner live currently. Yeah. Because uh, Carl and I get to do a dual guitar solo. Nice. Uh, which we haven't really done before. This was me being like, I love that Finn Lizzy guitar solo. <laughs> Let's do something like that. Is um, it so you can do the back to back? Just looking dead in the eye and just like, <laughs> we both look at each other and try not to like mess it up. <laughs> of every set. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Healy, thank you very much for your time this evening. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. No worries. Take care. Cheers, bye. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Healy for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Uh, Wolf Girl's new record, Every Now and Then, is out now. You can listen to it on Spotify and Bandcamp, etc., all the streaming platforms where you get your music. Uh, If you want to keep up to date with the band and Healy's other band, uh, they're on all the various social media platforms, and as always, you can find links to those in the description of this podcast. Um, That is it for this week. Uh, Just a little heads up, I'm going to go see Kississippi later on this week, which I'm really excited for. Um, But for now, everyone, thank you as always for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I'll see you soon.